That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. We've got a very interesting episode tonight, so let's get the roundtable out of the way. We've got the Bat Force Times in New York. Grandpa Batman in Dallas, Texas. Howdy. Legends of Lego Batman in Cali. Oh, cheers. And I'm Robin Cross in Canada. We're kind of switching things up from the usual tonight. You guys are used to us uh, featuring interviews with people who are either present or past writers or artists on comics or writers, actors, voice actors on movies, animated series, TV shows, etc. But uh, we're flipping it around tonight to get to someone who is looking to be the future. So tonight's guest, if you've been alive for more than five years, you've probably spent more, uh, most of your life seeing him on television series, uh, feature films. So you'll know him from Blossom and Melissa and Joey, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he's fresh off an appearance on Celebrity Big Brother on uh, CBS. We are joined tonight by the man who has thrown his hat in the ring looking to be the next man to portray the dark knight mr joey lawrence Woo, yes yeah yo <laughs> yay how are you so, guys uh, how are you sir doing i'm doing well i'm doing well thanks for uh thanks for talking to me tonight well thank you for being here so uh yeah like i said you've just come out of uh, the big brother house how's life uh post that oh man it's nice it's really crazy that was sort of an out-of-body experience you know that was honestly it was part of a larger conversation that we're having with cbs you know for a lot of um other tv opportunities that i'm much more accustomed to and used to you know i'm not the reality guy so um i'm actually a pretty private person personally you know um uh, sort of keep my family to myself and you know i am old school that way where my work is my work and my private life is my private life i don't sort of mesh the two but that was definitely surreal to sort of open myself up a little bit and be slightly vulnerable as to who I am personally, which not a lot of people know, even though I've been doing this since I was, you know, four and a half years old and I'm going on my uh, 37th year here. So uh, I was out of body. Uh, I'm not sad that I'm <laughs> no longer in there, but I was thankful to CBS for uh, the opportunity and for more than anything for it be, you know, what it was, which was the beginning of a long term relationship uh, on many levels with CBS and myself. So. Anyway, it was good. My Joey, wife and I uh, watched that. Does it feel in the house like as restrictive as what it seems like on TV? Or I mean, do you always feel? Are you always aware that the camera's on you? Oh, or constantly, what? constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really bizarre, man. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's just uh, I mean, pretty much you know, all authority over your own existence is, um, is, is taken from you and you are a pawn. I mean, you have no access to even the outside. And when we were outside, it was a covered patio. We weren't allowed out there until the dead of night. Uh, so we didn't see sunlight, you know, I didn't see sunlight oh. for 27 days. 
it's a really surreal experience. They wake your ass up at, you know, 7 a.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m. With, with one hugely loud song. All the lights go on in the house. You don't know when it's going to be. They also wake you up at 2.30 in the morning to go do a diary room interview when you're dead asleep. I mean, it, oh. it is really, dude, it is like there's no dishwasher. Um, there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, there is like you, you are you are really I mean, it is crazy, man. It Who is was crazy. the grossest person in there? They'll remain nameless, but there was more than one. (laughs) These people, I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know what it is. Like my, you know, my children and their friends have, you know, and they're like nine and 10 and 12. They have more, you know, um, you know, personal responsibility when it comes to cleaning up their own crap. I have never seen, you know, (laughs) I mean, people just completely oblivious to their own to their own waste trail that they leave. It's amazing. Uh, like grown gross. adults, like grown people. I mean, dude, it is, it is and, something else. It is. And you were only else. in there like two weeks, right? I was in there, uh, 21 days. So 21 yeah. days. Okay. Yeah. 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 And like, there was the like full... another, there was like another not eight or nine days after I was out. Yeah. And the full blown big brother is like almost, it's the entire summer. Oh dude, yeah. I don't know how, I mean, I, I <laughs> dude, not to mention, they had us in a sequester, which is that we were locked in a hotel room for four days without anything. They take all the televisions, all the phones out by yourself to sort of like break you down before you even go in there. We oh, were in there four yeah. days like that, which literally was insane. The normal season, I think these people are in there like three weeks alone. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey. wow. Dude, it is, look, Sign it is, you know, it is, uh. I mean, I guess for a lot of these young kids coming out of college, you know, looking to be famous any way they can, you know, looking for an experience, wanting to win a half million dollars. I get all that. So they're willing to just kind of put up with anything. And you mm-hmm. certainly have to put up with a lot, you know, but it was like, it's surreal. I mean, I could say I did it. I, it wasn't even on my bucket list, but I certainly checked it off. Well, let's get into uh, the main event. Um, now, the, the main event. What's your history with Batman? I mean, have you been a fan since childhood? I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah. I I, I had the Batman underoos at three. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just um, you know he's always been my favorite. Um, I think you know, and and it's you know, look, I I don't argue, but I I. Um, you know, uh, kindly disagree or find um, a lot of common ground with several fans out there over the years that, you know, um, that argue with me that the tone of it, you know, in, in my opinion, the best tone for the film was struck in Tim Burton's first Batman, mm. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, now, yeah. now, listen, look, you know, I appreciate and I love what Chris Nolan did as an auteur. I love, you know, cinematically what he was able to accomplish um, you know, it was visually stunning and, you know, and the story was, was, you know, a story that needed to be told, but I feel like it, as each, you know, dark night series went on, it got progressively and progressively darker in tone. Um, and it didn't need to, you know, um, and they really lost all sense of the comic book origins of the story, which, mm, yeah. and I think honestly, look, and I'm just going to lay it out there. I think that's why Marvel has been wiping the floor with DC the last decade is because, they truly understand that there is the they these have its genesis is from comic books, which is which has a certain brevity to it. Okay, there is a certain lightheartedness to even the greatest of moments. So that when when the stakes get raised and when you have that moment, it hits you because you've gone on a ride, you know, an up and down ride with humor and pain and sorrow and happiness, and you're laughing at times, and that's what that's what makes the comic book world great, you know. And I think mm-hmm. that. 
a lot of times DC has forgotten that, which is why Marvel movies have done so much better. And it really started, in my opinion, like with the whole Iron Man franchise. You know, I think Iron Man, that was such an outside the box, you know, Robert Downey Jr., what? Iron Man? Like, really? Mm. And he was could not have been more perfect than right. Tony right. Stark. Um, what he did was he brought a self-deprecation. He brought a humility, even though Tony Stark is quite arrogant and confidence, mm. you know, and uh, and he's arrogant and he's very confident. But but he also a lot of that is to mask sort of his his insecurity. And when I saw that character, I said it reminded me a lot of the way Michael Keaton played Bruce Wayne, which to me was spot on because Bruce Wayne is look, he's a very successful guy. You know, he's very wealthy. He's, you know. Gotham's, you know, greatest bachelor, right? Most eligible bachelor, the whole thing. But at the end of the day, this guy went through a traumatic event in his youth that nobody would wish for even their worst enemy, okay? And, you know, he obviously thrust himself into his work and building an empire, but, you know, and and, and also his, his spirit and desire to rid the city of evil and the vigilante efforts that he decided to personally take on all that is masked by this sort of humility, deprecation, a little bit of comedy. There's brevity. Michael, one of my very favorite scenes in any Batman movie ever was when he shows up to the door and he's going to tell Vicki Vale, who was brilliantly played by um, Kim Basinger, so brilliant, where he opened the door and he, was, he had this huge trench coat on, you know. And I also love the timeless era in which they set that movie, right? It could have been... It was any period, right? Because they right, had right. they had like seventy seven like Grand Torinos in that thing, and then they had like brand new cars, and then they had like old technology with new technology and Same. little TVs with those huge analog like rotary phones. <laughs> so like it, it just and I love that because it didn't it never dated it. It was just right, timeless, exactly, you know. Yeah. It was very timeless. But my favorite scene, one of them, was when he shows up and he's going to confess to her. Right? He's 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 like okay. Listen, and she says, Bruce, my God, what happened? You remember he was supposed to meet her and he didn't meet her and something came up. Clearly he had to save the freaking city. And he comes up, he's like, look, there's things you don't know about me. You know, and she's like, Bruce, it's okay. He's like, you mind if I come in for a minute? And she's like, sure, come on in, you know? And the scene goes on. He's like, listen, you know, I'm a very complicated person. There's a lot of things you don't know about me. And and, um, and he's starting to sweat and he gets hot. And he takes off this huge trench coat. And he like throws it on the floor, right? He's like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. She's like, Bruce, you can tell me anything. He's like, look, the truth is I am... I am, and he's going to say it, and you hear ding dong, right? You know, the Joker's there at the door, right? (laughs) And he's staring at her, and Tim Burton cuts back and forth, and she's looking, and he's looking, and he's like, are you going to get it? You're not going to get it. There's no words, but there's all in the facial expressions, which is brilliant. And she says, I got to get that. He's like, yeah, no, sure, of course, of course, of course. She says, I'll be right back. He's like, okay. And she leaves the frame, and he's staring at the wall, and he goes, I'm Batman. I am Batman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, it was, and then we know what happens after the joke comes in, right? Shoots him. He had that, he had that Chrome plate underneath his, underneath his Trent, right underneath his uh, sport coat. Anyway, point is there was not one moment like any of that or that great scene when they're in that dining room and he has her over for that first date and he's like, how's the soup? And she's like, what? He's like, how's the soup? <laughs> and they pan out. And that table's like 48 feet long, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's like, it's great. He's like, yeah, she's like, it's a lovely room. And he goes, thank you. He's like, I don't think I've ever been in this room. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, so you guys are all laughing, right? I laugh my ass off every time I see that. They're, that, to me, that personality trait is Bruce Wayne, okay? 
is what made that performance. And look, Michael Keaton's an amazing actor. So that's what made that performance a home run for me, is that he understood that Bruce Wayne was extremely likable, not in a slimy, like grossly wealthy businessman type of way, but because he was actually, he had humility and he was self-deprecating and he was funny, you know? And it made him so charming because he also had all the money and he was Bruce Wayne and blah, blah, blah. So that when he switched into the Dark Knight, when he, when he, when he, when he put the suit on, you saw the switch. And that dichotomy was really important to me. And I don't think any other actor that's played this character has really gotten that mm. as crystallized or as clarified as he did. You know, I think that, you know, it was like George Clooney kind of played him like sort of all swarmy. And Val Kilmer was like very swarmy, but not intense enough as Batman. I feel that brevity, that self-deprecation and, and the dichotomy between Bruce Wayne and Batman. That's what this series needs. It needs it so bad. Like, I get we had to go down sort of the dark path. And I appreciate and respect Chris Nolan for what he did. Mm. But I feel like as a fan, I'm desperate to see that brevity brought back to Batman and to Gotham. And I really want to see it. And I feel like, and I've met with Marvel, I've sat down with him, you know, the casting choices they made for Robert Downey Jr. and also Chris Pratt, right, taking a slightly out of shape actor from Parks and Rec, but realizing he had the right persona to play Star-Lord, okay, and what an out-of-the-box, I mean, choice. That's not classically Star-Lord, but he, he got himself in great shape, and he became that character and the epitome of that character. Again, self-deprecation, mm. a little bit of humor, not taking himself too seriously. These are all traits of iconic, like, like you know, heroes, whether it's Indiana Jones. I mean, nobody did that better than Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you talk about Han Solo, okay? Mm -hmm. He did it with Han Solo as well. You know, Willis did it with, with John McClane and Die Hard. He was human and humble and had humility. And you appreciate those moments to laugh in the midst of all the chaos, especially in, like, Gotham, you know? And I feel like that's what needs to come back to the series. And not only do I understand that, but like Chris Pratt and Keaton and a lot of these guys, I know the comedy, you know, as well as I'm a super intense dude and I have the physicality to pull it off. So it's like I would never throw my hat in the ring if I didn't think I could nail it because this part is so precious and near and dear to my heart. But I feel like there's there's very few guys out there that maybe could do both sides of that, the yin and the yang. And I think I can do it. Yeah, so, you've uh, you've been appearing in uh, comedic roles since the early 80s. Yep. Yep. The other side of me is pretty intense and, you know, growing up and being famous as a kid and having to go back to Philadelphia and, you know, stay enrolled in my school. I got my ass kicked and I had to learn how to take mm -hmm. care of myself. So physicality coming from the East Coast had to be, you know, you got to learn to take care of yourself, you know. Yeah, and um, anyway, shout out to Philly. Yeah. Um, I just a quick side note. Uh, as I'm far seeing as... somebody. Are you seeing me? I'm seeing, I'm seeing you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're seeing, That's you're seeing me, Batman. too. That's okay. me. I'm Grandpa Batman. In terms of the other side of your acting and portrayal, I want to say that uh, I loved your role in Arrest Stop. Oh, thanks, man. Man, I thought that was excellent. I mean, the way you were able to uh, convey emotion when after you get hit by the car and as if you're dying but you're still trying to help the girl. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. And that, that, seeing that side of you, just I, I understood the kind of range you have. When was the moment when you decided that you really wanted to throw your hat in the ring and go after this role as the Dark Knight. And on top of that question, um, have there been any talks about any readings or anything like that or potential? We're, we, well, to answer the, the, the last question first, because the one that's on my mind, is that uh, we are in preliminary conversations with 
you know, Warner and DC about, you know, you know, my, 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 my team is talking to them. So, you know, that's all I know about that. Right. But where it sort of hit me was toward the end of the Dark Knight series. Um, and then I think it crystallized in, you know, Superman v. Batman, because I just was sitting there like I felt like I spent, you know, two and a half hours watching like a PS4 game. Like I, I just <laughs> it was just one CGI melodramatic moment to the next. And I was so, so disappointed in what that movie could have been and what it ended up being, was, which ended up being just one sort of like dramatic facial expression after another. I almost felt like it was like Zoolander of like comic books. Like was, <laughs> I was like, what's happening? You know, like yeah. what is happening? And I know that I'm not alone because I read the message boards. I mean, everybody was like, what, <laughs> what is happening? What is this? You know? And I think that was, I think that crystallized just how serious that movie took itself, which I think is the downfall of any great superhero movie. It mm. can't take itself too seriously. Mm. It just can't because it's a comic book. You know, we have to remember that. I know it inside and out, and I and I, I know what I would do with it. Mm. They said, dude, you got the physicality. You understand both the comedy and the drama. You're a super intense guy. Um, and I just started thinking about it. I was like, man, you're right. So, you know, as you can today, which is the one thing I love about social media, there's a lot of things that are left to be desired. But one of the things that I love is that you can talk to your fans, you know. And uh, I have a diehard little crew because I've never hired one of those companies to go out and like collect all these people that don't even know they're following you. So like I have friends that will remain nameless. And I always say that because I never talk about people. But I can talk about examples that have, you know, three, four, five, ten million followers. They release a book or they come out with something and like two people buy it because at the end of the day, you know, like three, three fourths of their followers don't even know they're following them. Or if they do, they're certainly not proactive. They're more passive. Mm. So they're not engaged in really what they're saying. So they're right. not really focusing on them, which is fine. You know, I have a little crew of like a couple hundred thousand, but dude, like I release a single on iTunes, like, you know, like seven eighths of those people go buy it, you know? Mm. And that's why this Joey's Angel Army, which is growing every day, is very, very, very passionate. And I threw it out there and I said, you know what? Man, I, I, I think I could play Batman, you know, sort of as a joke, <laughs> but I was kind of serious, but I didn't mean it too seriously. And it just started to catch on. Mm. And these picture after picture and you know people started sending me mashups and artist <clears throat> renderings and i mean and then somebody set up a, pe a petition and then somebody set up another petition mm -hmm. and they were begging me to include it in my lincoln bio so i did it and now the petition is like taking off and mm -hmm. and now i mean you have people like you know uh, all these outlets and press outlets people and all these pe people.com people are e-news they're picking up this story and are running with it you know and it's uh it's kind of fun to see now, I don't know where it goes. Look, I, I hope I I feel like I I want to get a shot at it. You know, yeah. um, they've certainly given it to a lot of people. I feel like I could do it. So mm. I want it. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, if it's certain if it's not this time around, maybe it'll be after they get one more guy in there to do it. Mm. But um, maybe, you know, and I want it. So I'm making that known. And my fans have been incredible. That's and talking to you guys is making me happy about it because it's very unexpected. Hey, man, you know what? Uh I, I definitely respect you going after it. And were there any other roles in Gotham City that you would consider playing as well that you think you would be good for? Like, I, I could also see you as a Jason Todd, to be honest with you. Like I could do that. You know I, I could mean? totally do that. Yeah, look, for me, you always shoot for the moon. You know what I mean? If you yeah. end up on a star, you know you, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like the old, uh, the, uh, the old Price is Right game. The, uh, 
plink this. Plink, you know, you plink, go. Right? And it's just kind of <laughs> and, you know, you see where you end up. So I feel like Batman's at the top of the of the, of the the apex superhero spectrum. And then, uh, you know, he's the, and then, and then, you know, we'll see if it's, if it's not my divine plan to play him, which I, which I hope it is, then, then I'll plink on down to, uh, you know, the top, you know what I mean? Now, would that be on like either DC or Marvel side? Would you like, would you be interested in the other side as well? I would. Yeah. I would for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, you know, look, I, I I haven't thought about Marvel as much, although, you know, I know that they're going to need a new Iron Man at some, at some point. Mm. Um, And again, I feel like they're very similar in a way. You know, uh, I really, I really do. I feel like Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there was a reason for that. I don't know if, you know, Stan Lee was like, hey, I got, I got to have my own Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the psychology behind it, but they are very similar. If you look at their ideology mm-hmm. and especially how, especially how Robert Downey Jr. played it. I mean, you look at his performance in that mm-hmm. and Michael Keaton's performance. Now, Robert is more suave. He's cooler. So, you know, and he has this sort of street edge to him, which I love. But if you look at those two characters, even though they were, you know, 25 years apart, wow, they are similar, dude. Very mm. similar. Cool to see you when you were doing the Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne scene and see you physically almost like transform into Bruce mm. Wayne right there. <laughs> Can we hear your Batman? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, it would be, um, it'd be like, um... see, and the thing is, too, in my opinion, you know, you don't need to. It doesn't need to be. <laughs> you know, doesn't they just sound like you need to go on Chantix? Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, right? I mean, it's like, I've either, I either need to take my meds or I don't know what's going on. You know? Yeah, that's the it's thing. Like, there's sort I of like, three I feel voices. like when you live on full rubber, you know, and like ears and a huge cape, like less is more, you know? Yeah. I mean, really less is more. The costume, the suit speaks for itself. You know, you don't need to do too much. You know what I mean? It's like if Michael Jackson moonwalked every three seconds during every song, by like halfway through the fourth song, you're like, yeah, yeah, the moonwalk, we get it. You know, <laughs> it's like he saved that for quintessential moments throughout that concert, every concert that he did. So that when you when it when it hit, man, you flipped out because you were the anticipation of it, you know, built up to a point where you were just enthralled, you know? I feel like it's that way with Batman. So less is more. I feel, believe it or not, that Bruce Wayne allows the character to show his exuberance, right? And Batman is controlled and contained, even physically, which Mm. is so cool, you know? Um, Michael Keaton's fight sequences, although were very simple compared to the sophistication of later films, were very effective. Very. That rooftop sequence with him and the Joker extremely effective yeah i love it yeah. i love it but i love when michael you know first dropped down and he goes who are you right and that, that guy is looking at him goes who are you man you know <laughs> typical, like strung out like vagrant criminal you mm. know that, that they like to portray in movies and and he turns him and he literally just goes i'm batman that's it you don't need to that's do it. anything else that was good that's, that's it. it right there right you know there. what i mean it's like and I did it in a video that's gotten like over 50,000 views in a few days, which is crazy. But I literally, I was doing some push-ups and sit-ups, you know, keeping myself on point. And, um, <laughs> and I decided to make one of those silly videos that are always so ridiculous. But you got to do it because everybody's doing it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I looked up and I was like, um, Gotham needs me. Which is, you know, and people were like, 
dude, that's it. That's it, man, because it's not too much. And I, and I was like, well, you're right, because I've been practicing that for like 30 years, you know. So, but I, I, I really truly feel like less is more. Less is more with when you're wearing the suit, less is more. Mm. And that's very hard to do as an actor because, you know, it's almost like you can't push, man. Like you can't push. You've got to contain, contain the energy because if you contain energy, what happens? It intensifies, right? Mm. So actually – if you shove energy into a ball, right, the more and more energy that goes in there, you feel like it's going to burst, but it never actually bursts. Because what happens when it bursts? Let's the energy out, right? Blow your load. All the tension comes out of the scene. The way that Batman can contain himself in those most precarious situations is what is most exciting to me mm-hmm. when, I, when I watch it, you know? The person who got all aspects of the character the best is one of the people who didn't even wear the suit uh, because that was Kevin Conroy in the animated series, all the animated movies, video games. Right. And he understood that there's three different characters that you have to play. There's, there's Batman, the way he, the way he speaks when he's in the suit, when he's being Batman. There's the public Bruce Wayne when he's speaking to people that don't know who he is. Yes. And then there's the real Bruce Wayne. Yes. And he, he got all of those right. Exactly. He did. No, and you're exactly right. And that's true. Bruce Wayne privately is, he's got humor. He's self-deprecating. He's actually a little shy. He's humble. Uh, then there's the public Bruce Wayne, who is a statesman. I mean, he's almost a politician, but a good one. You know, like old school, like when they can actually get stuff done, you know? And and <laughs> he had that, he had this almost like Lincoln-esque, like very statesman you know, authoritative, but you believed him and he seemed earnest, but you're right. It was, it was still, it was concealing sort of that humility and that self-deprecation that he let on. And that's what Michael Keaton did so good because when he was in public, he was like, how are you? How you doing? How you doing? And when he was with Vicky, he was like much more vulnerable. And that vulnerability is what makes you fall in love with him. So that when he becomes the dark Knight and he becomes bat Batman and he's clenched, you understand why, Mm. you know, I wanted to, pick your brain in terms of um well you know how polarizing hollywood can be at times the uh, there are certain critics or people in film that i guess for lack of better terms look down upon the let's superhero movie universe now being how um overwhelming it could be and some like spielberg calling it the new western and then other people saying that it doesn't take much to actually play a superhero. What are your thoughts on that whole polarizing aspect right now in, in Hollywood and film? You know, I just think that, um, I mean, look, I can only speak for the way I feel personally. Um, I feel like there are challenges in every, you know, form of, you know, film, whether it's a drama, uh, whether it's a, a full out comedy, whether it's a broad physical comedy, um, you know, whether it's a, romantic comedy um it's a you know a dramedy i mean these are all very specific slices and there is tone that you know is very different in each of those um and certain people are great at some things and can't do others some people can do a lot of it uh there's very few people that can do all of it you know uh, because it is so so different black panther getting nominated for an oscar was nice to see something in the comic book world get recognized because i think to your point so many times Comic book movies, comedies in general, even though they touch a lot of people. Look, what's the point of film, right? The point of film is to is to move is to move a group of people, right? To move them emotionally, right. take them on a journey. Okay, so how well that's done, okay, in the execution of that, I mean, 
a lot of that is predicated on ticket sales. You have a movie that makes a billion and a half dollars. Well, that touched a lot of people. Mm, now, whether right. critics or people that feel they understand the science of filmmaking, whether they agree with that or not, it still touched a lot of people. You can't argue with that. So I feel like those films do need to be recognized. I feel like there's a place for all of it. There's a place for the super specific little indie foreign language film, mm. you know, and there's and there's a place for Iron Man and Black Panther and and those movies as well. Um, I, I don't like to hear anybody talk negatively really about any form of film because they're all so different and so specific. And you know what? To each his own, man. I like everything, you know, just like in music. I mean, I'll play a Queen record and a Rick Astley record and a Beatles record and a Tupac record all on my playlist within an hour. So to me, a good song is a good song. And I feel that way about movies. First Die Hard is on my top 10. Mm. I think that's one of the best start to finish executed movies ever. It's really great. Now, so is Casablanca. So is so is An American in Paris. These are all very different films. Mm. You know what I mean? But But they are all brilliantly executed. I mean, Back to the Future is a brilliantly executed movie. From beginning to end, there's not a weak link in that entire film. It's almost perfect. So, you know, I'm not the most, you know, scientific dude. I'm not, you know, but I do know when a, when a movie feels great. And, you know, that first Batman was such a special movie. It was it was the first time that it had ever jumped from, like, comic book, like, animated to, like, feature. And people were very scared about it. And then they heard this Michael Keaton. I remember I was a kid. You know, I was only, I think, came out in 89, so I was, like, 13, barely 13. Hmm. And... You know, I remember even back then, and you didn't have social media, but I remember people were like all up in arms. Michael Keaton, what? Oh, the guy from Mr. Mom, what? <laughs> right? You know what I mean, right? Gung and that, that even happens now, even as recently as the casting of Heath Ledger, the world went insane too. Exactly. So, you know, I just remember like, there's no way the guy from Gung Ho can be Batman. And you know what? <laughs> I mean, in my opinion, like I said before, I think he uh, arguably has played it start to finish the best so far. There's been elements of other characters, of other actors that have portrayed it that I think are good. But I think as a whole, start to finish, I think Michael Keaton understood it the best on film, in my opinion. You know, mm -hmm. but, you know, and I'd like to see it brought back to that. And that's why I feel like, you know, that I could do that because that's sort of my wheelhouse is that sort of physical, but, you know, understands the brevity of the moment and uh, can bring all of that to that character. And yet I'm super intense, you know, so. Have you had any uh, or have you ever met the director Matt Reeves? Not met Matt Reeves, no. But uh, I'm hoping to soon. Mm. Do, you, do you know which Starbucks he likes to hang out? Maybe buy him his next cappuccino. <laughs> Say, hey man, that's pay the, it forward. You know, caramel macchiato with uh, extra soy, half shot of coffee, or whatever the heck he orders. Like, yeah. Uh, no, I don't, man. But if I, if I, if if you guys find out, you let me know. I I will definitely show up there, and I won't be I won't be afraid to do it. Hey man, you, you've got knows. the fan base. You've got the angels. Get them on it. I'll send out a little uh, story in the next couple of days. I'll say, you know, what? angels, find out where Matt Reeves has coffee. <laughs> there you go, man. They, they uh, big fan of yours growing up. Uh, after watching Big Celebrity Big Brother, I was I was uh, pleased to see that you were on there. Didn't realize how uh, how intense you were with the working out. You were like in the middle of the night doing the push ups and the sit ups right. while everybody right. was. Right playing the game uh so i wanted to get back to the physicality of, of playing batman and 
what your training uh, regimen is like and uh, if you anticipate doing your own stunts and that sort of stuff. I would definitely do as many stunts as they would let me do. You know, I would try to Tom Cruise the shit out of it. You know, <laughs> um, you know I think physical fitness, you know, I've always been an athlete uh, when I started working a lot, you know, especially when it, you know, in the whole teen explosion happened in the mid 90s there. You know, uh, the insurance purposes, you know, NBC and the likes would not let me play football. I was playing varsity ball and I couldn't play any of those sports. So just because of insurance mm. reasons, you know, I broke a collarbone and missed six weeks of filming. That cost the studio millions of dollars. So, you know, I, I had to sign clause in my contract. So I had to find another way to sort of, you know, have an outlet for the physical you know, nature of my spirit, you know. And uh, I found training. And my grandfather, who was my hero, just recently passed away at 92. God bless mm. him. But. Uh, you know, greatest generation, World War Two, all that. Um, you know, he was he was, um, you know, Navy. So he taught me a lot about, you know, the Navy workout, which was push ups, sit ups, jumps, jump squats, all the things using your own body weight. Because as you get older, that's how you save your tendons and your joints and your ligaments. But if you're consistent with it, you can you can stay in really great shape. And, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be the rock. You know, I don't want to be this like almost like oversized cartoon type character because that's him. He's brilliant at it. That's not me. You know, I, I would want to be more every man that just has the physicality that if I need to, the audience will believe that I can pull it off, you know? So mm -hmm. for me, it's about being in the best shape that my own sort of body weight allows me to be in. So, and I'm just very consistent with it. I, you know, I train five, six days a week and, you know, um, and I do a lot of that parkour sort of army Navy stuff that, you know, uses a lot of your own body weight and I use weights, but very, very, very little. And if I do use them, I use them on like my, my biceps and my shoulders and traps and stuff like that. What does your diet look like? You have a really strict diet? like Not really, man. You know, I train hard so I can play hard because right. I feel like if I'm going to put all that effort in and I want some pizza or a chocolate cookie, I'm going to eat it, you know? Mm. So for me, <laughs> it's all about portion control. You yeah. know, I don't I don't eat a whole pie, which I could. I could down. I, I could crush <laughs> two pies. You know, I could have a whole tray of my mom's chocolate cookies. But instead, I ration myself to like one a night, you know, yeah. or two a night maybe. Um, you know, I try, <laughs> I try to eat like a larger breakfast fuel up for the day. Mm. And I have very small little snacks throughout the day. Cause I'm a dinner guy. So I'd rather have like a larger dinner, mm. but it's all about calorie in, intake. That's really what it comes down to. You know, they could sell you on all the bells and whistles, diet, this diet, that mm. the end of the day, it's about eating real food, not diet food, to be honest with you. Cause your body knows what to do with like real butter, real sugar, right. not all this crap that is a superficial substitute. Your body freaks out, yeah. almost identifies as a foreign substance and then sends all these fat cells to it, and you pack on this weight, and you're like, what's happening? I've been eating all this diet food. It's like, well, because it's all fake food. People don't, your body doesn't know what to do with it. Your body's been designed to know exactly what to do with real fats, real sugars, um, you know, real calories. Mm. So you know, if you, as long as you eat it wisely and you're in your portion control and you eat moderately, you're going to be fine, and you train hard. Which is what it's about. You, yeah, know? You, you must get a lot of headaches out there in California then with a lot of different It's crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. It's like what is what is this? It well it's like me. I'm like, well what what do you mean like It's oh, sort of similar it's similar to chicken. I was like, Oh that's nice. All right. <laughs> fan comment real quick. Uh, Jess from T neck, New Jersey said that she's been a lifelong fan of yours. She definitely roots for you as Batman and she's glad that you're doing something about it. That's awesome. Well tell her I said thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. These fans have really inspired me. Like I said, I just sort of threw it out there. It's like, you know what? I mean, because I, I read, you know, they're searching for the next Batman. They're thinking about going outside the box. They need to shake it up. I've been saying that for five years. I was telling you guys before, mm -hmm. feeling like we got to find this, 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 
this great balance between I I I, I want to smile again when I'm in a Batman movie. Like yeah. I want to laugh as well as I want to be I want to be you know on the edge of my seat. But I want those moments where I can laugh. There were so many moments mm. in the first Batman and Batman Returns where you could laugh. Like mm. it just nothing to laugh at recently, and we need it more than ever. We need to find opportunities to do that, even just for life. You know. Um, so and man, the fans, dude, they just they just took to it. And we're so inspirational. And, uh, you know, social media is great. You find out about all those people that love you. And then you find out about all the people that really hate your guts. And it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I really have a overwhelming, you know, positive force of uh, fans out there that have been with me for a long time. And um, it's just been a blessing, truly. So I'm inspired by them. So I appreciate it. Tell her I said thank you so much. As far as social media and podcasting is, it's such a we're we're really happy with it too in terms of this platform we have because we have a lot of the industry listening to us as well, and we're able to put out be a megaphone for you pleading your case in terms of why you want to portray the Dark Knight, and and I think that's really important. You know, I mean, the, yeah, the petition's great, and that's great to get it out there, but to hear it come from, to hear that passion come from your gut. You know, really, yeah. definitely, um, it makes things very interesting. You know, who knows where? And like you said, like you said earlier, who knows where it could lead? And, you know uh, what? That's why. Look, when uh, when my team was like, "Yo, we got the bad force at once," I was like, "All right, let's do it." Let's do it. I, don't, I don't do a lot of podcasts, but I was like, "I'm down, man." No, and I I understand that. I'm very thankful that you guys are you know allowing me to take my case to the people because that's what it's all about. You know? Absolutely. And uh, today, as we saw with Superman v Batman, I mean, the studio could spend a billion dollars. People aren't going to go see it if they don't feel like it's legitimate. You know. I, I said I said this before we started. Uh, it's it's one thing to have news outlets like websites, comic book websites, reporting the fact that that you said you wanted the role and that uh, people started petitions to, to get to get you the role. But uh, that's not going to convince comic fans who are notoriously, we are the hardest to convince. Mm, of course. Yeah. So, but what's going to convince people, if anything, is going to be hearing from you, hear you speaking from your heart about why you want to do it. Mm. Yes. Yes. Well, like I said, I've, I've been around a long time and, I certainly would not, you know, uh, throw my name in the ring if I didn't think I could do it. And it means so much to me to do it right that, I mean, it's so near and dear to my heart. And I've seen it done, you know, a lot of ways that just has made, has disappointed me. I, if I was ever blessed with that opportunity, it would be literally the greatest passion of mine to get it right. Lightning round. Humor. I can see you, Grant. I can see yeah. you, man. Yeah, he's because I'm the I'm the good looking one. <laughs> This is my audition, also, because I'm trying to get on your team, be in Hollywood. (laughs) So you're in in Texas. Where Where are you? Yeah, I'm in Dallas. Yeah, you a you Cowboys fan? Hell no. (laughs) I'm more of a college football fan. I played football. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. I feel. I feel you. All right. (laughs) I know you're probably a big Eagles fan. Well, I I was a painful Eagles fan for the entire you know forty one years of my life until they finally pulled off a miracle. It was <laughs> yeah. That was that was idea. pretty pretty cool that and was pretty awesome. inspiring oh, dude, to watch. I mean, just the way they won that. I don't know Nick Foles out playing the goat. I just, I don't mean that was incredible. I, I'll never see anything like that again. Him dropping dimes in a triangle, you know, thirty five yard touchdown passes in the That's back crazy, end of the touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it's just I just was out of my mind. So and the crazy for what it was and. Yeah. I'll probably never see it again. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it was an amazing game, and, and I love the uh, the touchdown pass that he caught. Oh, dude, the Philly that special. That play call was the Philly special. I mean, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. 
Unbelievable, bro. <laughs> All right, here's here's my first question. If every year represented $100,000, at what age would you fight Mike Tyson between the ages of 1 and 25? <laughs> You got to think about that, man. I mean, yeah, you want to take on the little one? You know, or... I just did. I I had a I just did a cameo in a movie for Lionsgate with, and Mike Tyson was in one of the scenes that I was in. Oh shit! And, uh, yeah, he he leaned over in the middle of the scene and headbutted me, and I literally saw stars. <laughs> he didn't mean to. He didn't mean to, and he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I didn't hit you like that. I didn't mean to." I mean, it was just like I don't know what happened. He just he leaned in like he was like. Ba-bow. I was like, what the hell just happened? Did Mike Tyson just headbutt me? And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I mean, but it was uh, it was unbelievable. Um, 100,000. Ooh, dude. I mean, I'd probably go the full 25 on that, bro. Wow. Okay. Going for it. That's, that's our boy. Right that's there. that's Batman. All right, all right. Uh, how much do you deadlift? How much do I deadlift? You know, I don't deadlift. I could, but I can tell you how many pull-ups I can do. Okay, what's how that? How many push-ups I can do, like, with perfect form. You know, because I don't do the deadlift stuff because I just I don't want to mess up my back, you know. Mm, so yeah. um, but, you know, I could it's nothing for me to perfect form, reel out 50 pull ups. which is pretty good. That's Holy pretty good. Good. 50 pull ups. I think you got the record. Right <laughs> do you like in and out or Shake Shack oh. better? I don't get to partake in Shake Shack as much as I'd like. I mean, it's a toss up there, dude. Oh. Um, I usually partake in that food at like two in the morning. So. It usually always tastes pretty good. <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, you know, I would say, I don't know, man. I I think, honestly, I think maybe the fries are better at Shake Shack. Uh, mm. But I, I, I do tend to like that burger at In-N-Out. Oh, oh, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite pizza place there in Los Angeles? Well, I make the best pizzas I've had here in Los Angeles. Nice. Uh, it's hard to find East Coast pizza here. It's something in the water and in the dough or something. I don't know what's up. But, um. You know, there's a place, um, Mulberry Street, which is East Coast pizza that's out here is pretty good. Uh, I like I like that. And, um, yeah, I'd probably say Mulberry Street pizza is probably the best that I've had in terms of, like, traditional pizza, not, like, you know, wood-fired or, like, L.A.-fied pizza, you know? Mm. Okay. Where, where is Mulberry Street? Mulberry Street, they have a couple locations. Uh, they got one on the west side. They got one in, in Encino, California. Encino. Uh, Kathy Moriarty, who was an actress— who grew up in New York actually was part owner of that company. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she still owns it, but the pizza's fantastic. It's all, it's old school, man. They got they got the cornmeal on the bottom of the crust. It's thin cool. crust, perfect amount of sauce. You know, not acidic. Uh, cheese is great. Nice big like New York style slices. Uh, mm-hmm. You can buy it by like the slice, which is always so nice. Um, that rhyme, I didn't even mean that. Shit. <laughs> uh, but you know, if somebody could beatbox, I could do a whole. Free- <laughs> No, but you know, so that's probably my favorite out here. But that's because it tastes like, you know, it tastes like New York pizza. So mm. anyway. Now you're a musician as well. Um, yeah. Who's your favorite music artist? Uh, well, I have a few different ones. I mean, musical artists. You know, when I think of artists, I think more than just like singer. You know, because like I mean, Frank Sinatra is one of the greatest, you know, phrasers mm. of all time. You know, but I would say artistry. Man, I mean, probably a toss-up between uh, Prince and Michael. Yeah, yeah. Just for artistry, because those guys just, they did so much for just music, you know, like pop music, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, But I love, I mean, I love Queen too, man. I love Queen. Uh, I love Led Zeppelin. Um, You know, so, but I I would say like a single artist, like those, those, those guys were pretty sick. Do you play any instruments? I play piano, yeah. Piano, okay. Or jazz, Mm mm-hmm. 
We'll get together and record a song. I play guitar. We'll do it, man. We'll do it. Let's do it. In fact, when you listen to the podcast, myself and my uh, music buddy, we wrote the soundtrack, you know, coming in for the podcast. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Big shout out to myself. All right. Big bad toy so, store link too, Grams. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Big, big, big bad shout out to myself. <laughs> I don't say. So, uh, chocolate chip, your favorite type of cookie? Chocolate chip and oatmeal raisin. Yeah, those are my favorites. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Or Snicker. You know, Snickerdoodle's like a close second, though, I got to tell you. When you go out karaoke, what's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Rick Astley. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Yep. There's no strangers in love. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to guess LL Cool J. Never going to let you <laughs> down. Never going to run around them. Zerchu. <laughs> right, that's right. Um, New York style pizza or uh, Chicago deep dish pizza? Oh my gosh, uh, dude! It's it's a it's tradition like, do question. Do I want to feel gotta... bad or do I want to feel really bad? <laughs> <laughs> I like them both the same. I can't. I I could not make a choice between those two, man. I, wow. I'm a pizza. That's, I'm a pizza like. That's hardcore. So, like, I love pizza. So, you know, I mean, to me, that's like... It's like Ninja you know, Turtle. You want a brownie or you want a donut? It's like, oh, my God, I don't know. You um, know I like them both. Plain or peanut M&M's? Peanut. Nice. Yeah. If, if you could have dinner with one human being from history, dead or alive, who would it be? Oof. Abraham Lincoln. Nice. That's actually one of mine. This guy's the man. <laughs> right. Love it. I got one more question, and this is a new tradition. Now every guest, we're going to have you make up your own lightning round question for the next guest. Mm. So this guest came from Brock Otterbacher, who is the creative director for Mondo Toys. He asked, if you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be? Mm. Any animal. Uh, honestly, I'd probably have one of those little spider monkeys because they're so, they, they're so relatable. Like they, I feel like you could really actually have conversations. Like, you know how we talk to our dogs and we think like they're communicating with us? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, my dog's, you know, ears go back and forth. His face goes back and forth. I think he's just saying, you know what? If I do this, I get a treat. So I don't right. know what the hell he's saying, but you know, um, but I feel like, like the little monkeys, like they actually like, they really get it, you know, mm. and we're so similar. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I think it'd be awesome to have one of those little guys, you know? Okay, spider monkey. Okay, and what's your question for the next guest? Would you take living to 65, right? And you have $2 billion to spend, or would you live as a pauper till 105? Mm, okay, mm. so oh, live to live to sixty five, like worth, worth billions of dollars, or live billions. to one hundred and five, but you have to live as a pauper. You know, you have to live very like frugally. Yeah. You know, one hundred and five. Okay, it's a question like it. that you wonder because it's like, is it quality over quantity? Is it quantity mm. over quality? I mean, what is it? You know? Yeah. Okay, that's a great that's question. A okay. question. I like. Joey, it has been an absolute pleasure. You have to understand, a lot of us, we spent our childhoods with you via television, man. And oh, um, cool. again, your energy, man, your fucking energy is just contagious and great. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us, to plead your case in terms of why you should don the cowl of the dark night. We, um, we absolutely love everything you have to say in your train of thought for it. So thank you so much for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it.
fellas, it has been a pleasure. You know, I, I this is my very first podcast, just so you guys know. Awesome. I've never done one I, I literally couldn't have imagined going any uh, cooler. You, you, you guys have, have made it super awesome. You guys all seem like really cool dudes. And I hope we get to do it again. I truly appreciate you guys uh, putting the word out there and, uh, you know, being so supportive. It really does mean a lot to me, and I mean that. Anyone who uh, likes what they've heard Joey saying here, hit up his Instagram or his Twitter. You can hit the link to the petitions there if you want to support that. Yes, yes, appreciate it. Yes, at uh, Joey Lawrence on Instagram for sure. Fellas, thank you so much. Hey, everybody, this is Joey Lawrence, and you are listening to Bat Force Radio. Listen to me as I plead my case to be the next Dark Knight. Hey, Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.